I was anxious to see the expression on your faces when there were 51 verses to the Scripture this morning. <laughs> and I got thinking, you know, it shouldn't really be too abnormal if we read one chapter of Scripture, but, you know, we usually do a, a few here and there. But today, wow, you got the whole 10 yards. The Exodus. All of the Exodus in Exodus chapter 10. And now I have the supreme joy of trying to preach it in 10 minutes. And I'm not going to keep you over the Lord being my helper. I won't be walking out front. I'll be standing here so I can see that clock the whole time. I'll know how to gauge this. See, we're on a journey. One of the convictions that I have is some of the best literature in all of Scripture, like something as foundational as the Passover, Nothing more sacred than that event for the Jews gets hidden in the Old Testament. And as far as our Sunday morning worshipers go, many times we hear very little about these formative Old Testament narrative events. The pageantry's unbelievable when you try to preach texts like these because it's a power play. It's a power structure, but it's so easily plugged in for today because it starts with this. Who really has the power in the world? Is it the strongest nation that exists out there at the time? Is it expressed politically? Is it expressed religiously? Who really has the power? I love the way we approached it this morning. We started our first event and said, there's power, where? In the, in the blood. Do you know the book of Hebrews says in the New Testament, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And in Exodus chapter 12, we find this. All of the prior chapters, God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go so they could be free to worship. I want you to know that's one of the central themes even today in daily life around Mullica Hill and in Gloucester County and in the surrounding counties. Life today poses one big question. In our workaday world, where all kinds of people seem to profess that theirs is the power, are people free to worship the living God? And the Exodus is a story about how God worked in the midst of the superpower of Egypt to set slaves free so they could be the worshiping people of God. A lot of things have power in your life and in my life. There's a lot of obstacles in our world today. And yet through all of these obstacles, there is a call that is meant to postulate a question to every human being. Can you get free enough in your mind, body, and spirit to be in fellowship 
with the God who made the world and all that's in it. Now, part of the great war was Pharaoh thought he had all the power and his gods were at his command, a utility as it were. And then all of a sudden God, the superpower said, this business of worshiping me, you have to know may seem inconsequential to you, but it's a life and death issue. See, that's the gospel I want to preach to you this morning. In the midst of all of the things that vie for your attention, your relationship with God is a life and death issue. Do you believe that today? Let's just see, is there anybody that would put a hand up and say, that's what I believe this morning, that it's a life and death reality where we are with the living God. You see, in the midst of all of the things that would seek to impose themselves on us, there's one relationship that's not an imposition at all. As a matter of fact, it's the privilege. And that is for you to be worshipers of the living God. To be one with Him. To express your love and your praise to Him. To thank Him that He gave you the privilege of loving others and having families. To lift Him up that at the center of our community, there's a current that runs through the community with all of the things in our world that can be catastrophic. And Scott prayed for some of those this morning, and rightly so, in the midst of all of the things that could shake and bake in a world like ours, underneath it all are the everlasting arms of the one who made us. And he said, here's what I want you to know. You take the lamb you take the blood of the lamb you put the blood of the lamb on your doorposts and then you stand up and you take a passover meal because i'm taking you out on a journey you see there's a disposition before they ever got positioned as the people of god the disposition of their heart was lord i'm going to trust you that's a lot of trust isn't it in the middle of the night to Take a meal, standing up and all dressed to go on a journey. I like that. That reminds me of the time they were having a Methodist prayer meeting out there in a terrible time of drought. It was one of our African-American churches, and the bishop told this story. And, and they were all going to pray for, for rain that day in the church because the crops were dying, and it was terrible. There was a terrible drought out in the Midwestern Plains. And the bishop said, I joined them because they wanted to pray. And lo and behold, I looked at the back, and one lady showed up with a raincoat and an umbrella to the prayer meeting. That's the disposition of a heart that is hungry for God. And it culminated in an act of obedience. Pharaoh refused to obey God's request to let the people go. But the people in slavery obeyed by putting the blood of the Lamb on the door. Now you know when we get to the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God offered up once and for all. 
You see, church, before we can go on a journey together, which is God's journey, it'll either be by the sacrifice of Jesus or by nothing. We either come to God through Jesus, whom the Bible says is the only wise God, our Savior, or we can't come because there's no other way. Remember the words of Christ our Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In a sophisticated time of vying philosophies, we need to remember there is a way. And it's not a, it's not a way that's a, an exclusive way. It's a way that's an inclusive way. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. But it takes an act of obedience. A heart like Pharaoh's could get set and say, we'll write our own rules. We'll do it through our own gods. And maybe there's an appeal to your heart today, and you have to be careful about those heart appeals. The Bible says the heart is deceptively wicked. Your heart may tell you that your way is better than God's way, which is the way. But God says there's one way. Listen to what the book of Acts says. There is no other name given among men in heaven or in earth whereby we must be saved. Paul said in Philippians 2, it's the name of Jesus. Well, let's fast forward it to, to the event of the Exodus. Not only did the time come where the people were asked to move out, to join a journey by obedience, they went. And as they went, Pharaoh was glad to get rid of them just for a little while. Because the Bible says that when they went on their journey, don't think it was a really all a fun journey. It was a lot of chaos and pandemonium because there were a million and a half men and women and boys and girls. That's worse than the Boy Scout and the Girl Scout Jamboree. If you've ever been a leader of an event like that, you know that's called work. It's work to go on a journey. It's not all fun and games. It's work. And the further they went on the journey, the madder Pharaoh got. Until finally Moses had a million and a half men and women and little girls and boys by the Red Sea. Here comes the most powerful army in the world in that day. Angry. Full of vindication because some had disobeyed unto their own death. Taking things in their hand. And the people looked at Moses and said, is this what you've done? You lead us out of slavery? To die in a water grave at the Red Sea? God told Moses, take the staff. Now remember, this was the staff that he had thrown down and it turned into a serpent. And God said, pick it up. And when he picked it up, God said, I'll stretch forth my hand. Now he said, Moses, put the staff up in the air. And you all know what happened. Charlton Heston held it right up in the air. And he said these words. The literal Hebrew translation is this. Stand back. 
But in the New King James Version here I'm using today, it says, stand still. Listen. Listen to what happens. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and saw the Egyptians marching after them. So they were very afraid. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us? Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. The greatest act any human being can do is to stand off. Stand firm. Stand still. Stand back and say, God, I've given you my life. Either you deliver according to your word, or there's no plan B. I die here in the midst of my own life. I die without you. Real trust. Real hope is willing to say, God's way is going to be my way, and that's what's going to make a way. Because my way is bereft. My way is limited. My way is broken. And I want to say this still today, as loving as God is, people who decide that they want to be their own God find out in a terrible way that it's a bankrupt intellectual notion. But when you go God's way, all of a sudden, the miraculous happened. A sea that was only a barrier parted. And a highway was there for the people who dared to believe God. On this side, they were slaves and fearful people. But God opened the sea. And on that side, they were Israel, the chosen people of God. Trinity, let's go on a journey. Let's be the people of God. Let's stand still according to the promises and the Word and the blood. And let's ask our God if He'll make a way for us this morning. And do you know what we'll find and discover in the weeks to come? We, ordinary people like me, like you, struggling people, people with difficulties, we, are the ones God has chosen in order that we might know the salvation of the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.